We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It doesn't matter where we play. It doesn't matter who plays for us. It doesn't matter who we play against. All Arsenal do is win football matches. This is the Arsenal Vision post-match podcast. My name is Elliot Smith. You can me on Twitter, Yankee Gunner. And not only that, we respected a deep football heritage, a deep footballing tradition yesterday as we record this, in that Arsenal won 3-0 and then won on penalties. You know, as you do. I guess technically that could happen in the second leg of a Champions League knockout round, which... You know, maybe we will be experiencing next season. I guess it could happen in the knockout round of a of a Europa League, but I can't really envision us having been down 3-0 in the first leg of a Europa League tie, he says, inviting doom and despair. But yeah, I mean, all Arsenal do is win. Doesn't matter who plays. Doesn't matter if the second half is played by people, I'll admit I've never heard of, um, who were born like well into my 30s. But, you know, it's all good. Arsenal just win football matches. I don't know what we were worried about. Eddie Nketiah scored. So Gabriel Jesus, who? Doesn't ring a bell. Doesn't ring a bell, mate. You know? Losing his place. He's been Wally pipped. Look it up. Okay. Here to discuss that, some injury issues, and a pretty funny penalty shootout, including a phenomenal final penalty of the shootout, <laughs> is Paul. You can find him on Twitter. Pause my pants. I'll pause. Woohoo! Woohoo, indeed. Look, if you are desperate for your Clive fix, uh, Clive and I did a podcast titled Solving Problems in January, a deep dive on realistically where we are from a talent standpoint, talent perspective, what we need um, to do to to bridge the gap, not just from the Jesus injury, but also just where we were from a talent perspective before the Jesus injury and how we handle it. That's over on the Patreon side as well as some scouting videos and other uh, bits and bobs and pieces and things and nuts and bolts and episodes and links and merriment and SCAC, which is Stats Guy and a Civilian, which is Paul's uh, wonderful sort of branch of content that we do with, with Scott, and you're going to love it. So that's all there. All right. That's what we call vamping. I don't know why I'm vamping. As we record, by the way, Croatia and Brazil are playing. So obviously, if Gabriel Martinelli's second half hat trick wins it for Brazil, we will try to update you as that happens. But Paul, let's start with the Arsenal victory. And um, I guess the best way I could describe this game at a very high level, at least in the first half, Arsenal looked like Arsenal and Lyon looked like shit. <laughs> that's, basically, that's basically it. We saw a very familiar sight. Alexander Locke is at about 40 minutes absolutely blowing as <laughs> ass trying to run around. Well, I mean, the thing that I think is the headline for me, if we want to do this sort of in the form of, of our instant reaction over on the Patreon side, the headline is Arsenal looked like Arsenal. That's what yeah. I got. Yeah, no, that that was the biggest takeaway for me too. You, uh, We replaced players with other players and those players, like you can, you can quibble about whether everybody was in top form, as good as the player they replaced, it was absolutely crystal clear what everybody's role was. You know, Sambi was playing the Chaka role, in a sense, just like Chaka does. Uh, it wasn't like he wasn't a second pivot. He wasn't an, a one of three midfielders with Odegaard and El, like El Nenny played party. Odegaard amazingly played Odegaard and Sambi played Chaka. 
Jesus, uh, Jesus wasn't there. Eddie played uh, Jesus' role uh, in very much the Jesus way. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, uh, people's mileage may vary on on whether they thought he did as good as a job, but it was absolutely crystal clear what the jobs were, what they were doing, how they played. Um, that was the big take. The second big takeaway for me was even the under twenty, even the academy kids played the same football. Um, uh, that was that was quite stark for me. I mean, it's a, of course they play in the same philosophy and the same this and same that. It's funny you said about not knowing the names of the the uh, the guys in the second half and the kids. I know you're being slightly tongue in cheek. What was particularly impressive was the commentators for this game didn't know the guys in the first half. We had, <laughs> and this di- uh, I asked you. Uh, I was a little disappointed in your professionalism offline, Elliot, when I asked you if you wanted to rewatch the game because I had a recording of it, and you said that that would not be required for the level of analysis so you plan to give it um but i needed it because i spent the first time around mostly obsessed by the how bad these commentators were uh, they came up with nikita odregard both of them all the way through the game lukoga ryan nelson and mark arenas and I'm, I'm not making fun of people who culturally, you know, would we know names from a different part? These were English people, the two commentators. <laughs> um, it was super sport, and they were, I'm going to do to them what they did to us. It was Ayan Burstow and Amai Gillingham. Yeah, I mean, and look, you could pronounce their names however you want, they still played like the guys we know. You yeah. know? So, so I mean, that's the important thing. By the way, I'm picking up a, a good amount of plosive from you on the mic. So, plosive, if you wanna, yeah, like you know the that kind of stuff. So, if you just want to stay back, yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, we should um, be good now. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Oh, good. Oh <clears throat> god. You know, and I, I already get grief about mouth noise off Clive. So, I'm sure all the people yeah. who've gotten in touch about that are going to love. I know you can heard. hear the ocean in Clive's mouth. <laughs> Yuck! Fish, um, <laughs> little fish swimming around. Yeah, but but that voice. I mean, it ma- it makes oh, up yeah. for it. Um, look, here's how funny it is. If poor Ethan Winery, who we will be uh, aware of as Arsenal fans, if you go to Google and you Google this game and you go to lineups and you look at the subs bench, number eighty three has a green arrow to show that he came on and no name. They don't, <laughs> I don't. I mean, you know how sometimes they'll show the lineups and there'll be like a, a face picture of the player, but some players won't have a face picture. They don't even have his name written in text. There is no name next to number 83, just a green arrow showing he came on. Poor Wanneri. Like even Google doesn't know his name, uh, but you better remember the name because he is a talented player at a very young age. But so a, a couple of things. Let's talk about the goals. Um, you get a goal out of Gabriel. And, and I think, look, it's pretty simple. If we lose one Gabby... The other Gabbies just have to score the goals he would have. We have three Gabbies. You can certainly afford to lose one, and one of the Gabbies scored. And it's good to see us scoring from a set piece. Granted, it was horrifically defended, just like everything Leon did in this game. But set pieces have been a, a point of strength for us this season. It's nice to see us continuing that. But the one that, that was fun, obviously, the Eddie and Kedia goal is a brilliant, really fast-paced counterattack. And it's a lovely cross uh, from from Vieira. Um, pinpoint slid across the box but paul like leon just decided the left side of the pitch is lava their left defensive side like there was no one no one <laughs> i mean there wasn't a player within 45 yards of Vieira just standing at the halfway line uh, so i mean how do you take that goal it's great to see eddie scoring it's a lovely little finish just a very calm and composed pass it into the opposite side of the net cool as you like lovely slid ball through from Vieira, but I mean, again, no defending. No defending whatsoever. Yeah. uh, I think we scored three great goals with the proviso that Leon were absolutely shite on all three of them. Um, You know, you can play. This is, you know me, preseason is the real season. Um, (laughs) But this is mid preseason. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) What's the math on that? But you could tell the difference between a preseason and this. Like, we were pretty sharp. Now, we had that extra yard or two or three at times against Lyon. 
but you still got to do something with it. You can score, you can bumble in a few crap goals, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Danny Welbeck specials. These were all really good for our part. The header from Gabriel, and we shouldn't forget the lead up to the goal for Gabriel, which I think the goal was around uh, 18 minutes. So this was the first goal. Just before that, the the goal was earned from a corner from a corner and the corner was earned from Vieira smashing it into the keeper's nads. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, <laughs> which was like, I just like the bravery of keepers spreading themselves for a shot. And then the only problem with spreading yourself for a shot is like right in the nads. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really felt we'd earned this one. Vieira with the assist uh, was a good header. The second goal, Eddie's goal. Uh, yeah. comes up the left. I don't know if it was genius or just the ball that was on uh, Amber. Am, uh, sorry, Albert Sam. She's got me with the pronunciations. <laughs> Albert Sam B. Lakonga, Lakoga, um, whips a ball. He does two switches uh, for the, one for this goal, one for the third goal. Switches it to the other wing, and they're wide open. Now the way what? Now it's a good switch. That's partly why they're caught out because he's deep in our territory. Um, and it's a li- nice little bit of play. There's something like 11 passes in a row. It's off a throw-in from Kieran Tierney down that back corner. Uh, Gabriel uh, Magliesh boots it up the pitch to Eddie. And I think one of the things you see in this game is, like, you don't have to rave about it, but there's good hold-up play. That That sequence of passes happens because Eddie traps the ball, plays it back, we... We keep control. Albert Sammy Lakanga swings it to the other wing and we're through. And yeah, where the hell is Leon? Nowhere in sight. Mm-hmm. And a training ground, classy finish from from Eddie uh, to find the net. Passes it into the, the far corner. Really nice goal. But yeah, of course, caveats uh, up front and at the end. Leon were not at the races. No, but I mean... You still have to execute, and we yep. did, and and that's great to see. Um, it's good to see the players wanting to play at a high level, which they did. There was one really beautiful counterattack that there was a Nelson flick in the center of the defensive third to play it through and set us off down the left-hand side, and we were just missing the final ball. But by and large, I think, again, if you didn't watch this and you said, what's the biggest thing that happened of note? What happened is Arsenal looked like Arsenal, and I think that's that was really the critical component to it because I think there is that question that we all have is after the world cup, will we look the same now? Granted, a lot of these players won't be playing, but it's got to give Mikel some confidence that the players I do have out there look like they're ready to play Arsenal football the way I expect them to. Um, And I, I look at this lineup and I think, well, presumably Ben White will be back. We might touch on that in a bit. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if Zinchenko will be, but you know, we, we we have Kieran Tierney. He could be starting that West Ham game. Gabriel will be starting the West Ham game. I, I don't know about Saliba based on how far France goes. So Rob Holding, if Tomiyasu, who said, you know, basically he wants to forget about football for a while, if he isn't ready, he could be starting. Odegaard certainly will be. I think Party will be back is my guess. I think Shaka will be back. So it could be Party, Shaka, and this lineup Yeah, for West Ham. And so, Paul, like, if that's the case, at least seeing these guys look like they're at the races – is encouraging because aside from party and Shaka, who I expect to be back, there's doubts about everybody else that's been to the world cup or is at the world cup. So this, this isn't, this may not be far off what we're starting with. Yeah. And the front three in particular, Pardon me, I, the- I should have mentioned um, goalkeeper probably won't be behind. Right. I mean, Matt Turner would probably start against West Ham if England go deep. Yeah. And, you would think Ramsdale doesn't want to come back in. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, certainly the front three. Uh, I mean, who knows, but it, these guys are all Eddie's going to be uh, odds on striker. Hey, when, now, when he took a kick on his ankle, did you hear Stan's bank account shuddering? Because he, he went down <laughs> with a kick in the first half, and I was like, uh oh, here we go. <laughs> I'm a very, I must be a very positive person because, like, in general, uh, when our guys get kicked, I'm always like, oh, they'd be fine. Some, <laughs> yeah, because that's usually the case. <laughs> yeah, sometimes I'm not. Luck. But What's I'm like, with you? nah, he's fine. Um, <laughs> So no, I didn't worry about it too. I mean, like we, the gods won't be against us. I think I think we'll be okay. Yeah. Um, no, I think uh, it was quite interesting as well. Vieira off the right with Odegaard. Uh, 
in the kind of eight ten spot just inside him, the lane inside him. Um, and I, I thought he was a little slow to get started, which is totally understandable. I thought he had a, you know, an okay-ish misplaced a couple of passes, looked a little off it for 10 minutes. I think we all did a little bit. But like right into it after about the whole team from 10 minutes on was clicking. Like you don't want to, you know, you might need to keep the tranquilizer drugs there if I start getting uh, way carried away with how great the performance was. Um, But I expected it to be more early pre-season-y and these guys were all clicking. Not yep. saying it was brilliant, but it was it was good and it was on it. And no, I, and, I don't disagree with that. I mean, yeah. I I think if you wanted to dismiss this, you'd have to dismiss it more on Leon looking like they didn't give a damn than on the way we played. But I mean, you know, yeah. we had nineteen and that shots can drag in this you game. down too, right? You can yeah. have uh, if the other team isn't on it, it doesn't mean you're going to be on it. Uh, it doesn't mean you're going to string it together. Um, so I thought it was very professional, very 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 much of a piece with what we've been doing. And like, I've been getting a lot of mileage out of uh, preseason is the real season. And like, we have a tendency to say preseason doesn't matter. And maybe it's just coincidence, uh, but we had a great preseason. We took it into the season. Well, you know, if we can keep, we can have a strong mid-season, keep that, like, I think we all know it can do you no harm. It can help. It doesn't last three, four, five games, but the first game or two coming in at at the right speed, it's kind of like joining a highway. You want to come on at the right ramp speed with the right tempo, right level of confidence. Um, If we play two or three games at this level to get us going, I think the guys, you know, hopefully won't miss much of a beat. But yeah, the front three could be Vieira, Eddie, uh, and uh, Ryan Nelson um, mm-hmm. as our three to go and, and attack West Ham, etc. So it was nice that they found their their, uh, their feet, their relationships. The triangles on both sides were functioning well. It was good. Yeah, and I mean, it, it, it's not like we're in the perfect shape that we want to be in, but... You know, West Ham are going to be without players. I say players. I don't know how many players will be without. They'll be without uh, Lucas Paqueta, I assume. Yeah. They'll be without Rice. Declan Rice, right? So that right there is is a help. Um, I I don't know if that makes that big. Well, I think that does make that big a difference, actually. It might be two of their do. best players along with Bowen. So, um, yeah. yeah, I mean, we'll see. As far as the rest of the match goes, the only player that came on off the bench that really I think is of note for the first team is Marquinhos. Yeah. And I'll level with you. I don't think Marquinhos looks ready to me. There's a pretty low level game and I thought he was all right. But I, you know, when I watch Marquinhos, I see a guy who I think it's still 50, 50, whether he makes it for us. I see a guy who understandably has a lot of development. I don't think there's any expectation he'd be ready right away. And I know he had such a great start with that Europa League goal that he scored. He does miss a pretty easy sitter with an open net in this one. No big deal. He flashes it wide of the post. But like, just in general, when I watch him, there are times he looks so ready, right? He's strong on the ball. He's physically, he's ready, but he's just rough around the edges. I'm curious if you have a slightly different take on it. I do. I mean, we don't have enough data to, 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 well, and this isn't the game to judge, obviously. To split it, but yeah, like, uh, he comes on at halftime. Um, I thought he started slowly. Very understandable. Yeah, you know, talking about a guy who hasn't played much. Um, and yeah, he has a couple of moments where you think, the, the interesting thing was the first time he ever played for us, uh, the takeaway was, wow, he was on it. Everything he did was quality. All his Clean, passes connected. Control. Yep. Yeah. Um, I think he kind of got up to a better level as as this went on. There is a, he has one great moment. He cuts inside, kind of Robin style, mm-hmm. swings in with his left foot as he would because he's left footed. Uh, hits the crossbar with a lovely dipping shot. I mean, he did everything right there. It's kind of swings around and. Uh, it, it's just dipping under the crossbar, but not quite. It was actually a moment of quality, and I'm like, oh yeah, that's 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 what we're looking for. Um, and then you know, we switch him to the left 
side when the kids go on so that they can all play in their positions. I thought it was pretty good. You know, I just don't think there's enough data to kind of take it. Whatever your opinion was of him coming into this, it should probably still be about the same, you know? Yeah, and like putting too much scrutiny on that player is not necessary. I mean, first of all, he probably won't play much for us this season, but given that we might have a couple of games without Saka and Martinelli coming back, and who knows about ESR, we'll turn turn to ESR a little bit later. We're going to talk Smith-Rowens and Chenko and and White a little bit, but um, basically, Paul, I buried the lead, which is, the moment of the game, and that's Vieira's goal. Yeah. We've seen he has this. I mean, this is the thing. Vieira's got something to his game. I think we're still learning about him, but he's definitely got the ability to to score some golazos from outside of the box. Um, what, what do you think? It's a, it's a beautiful strike, obviously. It is. He takes takes that extra touch. He, he's part of the buildup. Um, he takes that extra touch to get it just where he wants it. This is the one where Nelson knocks it back, and I wasn't sure that was the right move there because Nelson's basically kind of through on goal like he might still have to do some work to get around his center back but he can see the goal from where he is they're going to jump on him his his first thought is to create so he knocks it back to Vieira uh Vieira takes a touch puts it right where he wants it and the whip on it I mean the goalkeepers got got the inside post covered if Vieira doesn't whip it the way he does I mean uh that's a vicious hit uh, thing of beauty. Um, he's showing that it's not a one-off. You know, it's not one of those wonder strikes you hit and then the, you're like, <laughs> the guy never hits it again. Usually some team against us in the Europa League, some guy hits it from 40 yards out and you're like, Jesus Christ. He uh, must do that every week or once a year. And in fact, mm. it's the only time he ever does it in his career. Uh, Vieira seems to have this <laughs> in his locker and... Uh, it, thing of beauty whips it in uh the guy's got magic in his left foot yeah yeah i mean it, now this is the one with the really nice build-up the eddie knocked down the 11 passes i may have implied yep. it was the previous goal but this yep. is actually a really nice build-up yep. another sambi lakonga switch i don't want to put too much onto sambi lakonga like you could see the things about sambi lakonga that you want more of but on the ball he has some quality in his boots, and that was the good side of his game. Two good switches that set up two go- two good goals. Yeah, totally agree. And, and I'm willing to put something into this game, but the problem I have with evaluating Sambi ultimately yeah. is Sambi Kong is a player I have absolutely no doubt when there's more space and there's more time, the guy's going to look good. The question is, can he do it at tempo? Can he do it in tighter spaces? And there there were just no tight spaces really in this yeah. game. So we'll have to see. Let's... um. Before we get off this game, because I do want to talk about Smith Rowans and Chanko and some injury updates and and things like that. But before we do that, anything from any of the kids you want to raise? Yeah. I mean, like, I, I, okay, that's fair. I do just want to make sure that we call out the worst penalty ever taken and the penalty shootout. <laughs> I, you can call it a panenka, but just because you chip a ball to the goalkeeper doesn't make it a panenka. I mean, it was, and and to be, to be fair, Carl Hine, I mean, penalty specialist, I guess, but this ball is gently chipped into his loving arms <laughs> to end the penalty shootout 2-1 to the Arsenal. Um, or was it 2-0? No, 2-1. 2-1 to the Arsenal. Um, yeah, c- call out a couple of the the kids' contributions. I, I have to admit that's the part of the game where I struggle. First of all, I wasn't sure who anybody was on the pitch, so that was a problem. <laughs> um, any Anything that, that jumps out at you from that period of the game? And I guess, look, there are some kids that played that I've never heard of, but we had players like Cozier Dewberry, Lino Sousa, Matt Smith, uh, Nguyenary, some players that that I am familiar with that you know we we might be seeing in an Arsenal team in the not too distant future. So who stood out and why? Uh, so like that, let's start with that penalty, the Penenka. Have you ever pictured? Because they didn't do Penenkas when I was a kid. Have you ever pictured that? For some reason, you have to take a penalty against a pro keeper and you're like, well, I don't actually generate the kind of power that's going to beat him to either post. Maybe I could penenka him. And like, you know that a pro keeper is going to be like, I'm going to wait to see what this guy does with the ball. And you penenka him and he just stands there and catches it in his arms. This is exactly what I pictured would happen if I tried to penenka a pro. The guy, Carl Hine just stands there everybody's embarrassed. The guy taking the penalty basically apologizes with a hand wave. 
Carl Hein doesn't want to make too much fuss of it. Everybody's just like, okay, let's go home now. Um, I thought, so talking about the kids, yeah, Carl Hein didn't get much of a workout, but what he did do coming, claiming crosses, his distribution. I mean, it wasn't perfect, but it was good. He was clipping balls out to the he right. Was great. Yeah. No, He's absolutely. our third choice keeper. Mm -hmm. So why go on too much about it? Mm -hmm. uh, he might end up playing cup games and stuff going forward for us. I thought he actually, we've seen a lot of keepers come to Arsenal, come and go through the academy. And uh, they're all kind of the next big thing. They're all playing at the World Cup. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. Um, but they don't quite make, like this guy, I'm like, I don't know. He, he might be one of the ones that make it through. I mean, we've had ones that made it through into the first team and or backup keepers. Uh, the names we will know, but yeah, this uh, this guy looked like he could be a. He just had the right vibes about him. He didn't have to do too yeah. much, but he didn't make me nervous. He looked like he was good at the goalkeeping. Uh, it was good. Um, yeah, from the kids. Well, I I think my takeaway was they all looked good. They're used to playing against each other, playing sorry playing with each other. Um, they were all in their positions. Uh, you mentioned Sousa, there's uh, Rua Walters who was on tour with us. Um, you know, none of them, well, lots of them did little things that were good. They took about five or ten minutes to settle, but they actually took it to Lyon, I think, in terms of possession, playing the ball around. And that was, you know, Lyon had a couple of kids, but they also had quite a few of their more senior players. They had uh, they had Ren Adelaide, I think, came on. Um, and, you know, a fairly senior... A youngish side, but a fairly senior side. And I just thought the play, it was more the interplay between the players. Louis Scali was really good. Kozier, Dubarine, mm -hmm. and Nguyenary, Walters, Sousa. What do you make of Nguyenary? I mean, obviously, what is he, 15? Like, there's a, there's a lot of... Maybe maybe Google isn't allowed to put his name on the thing because he's too young. He's not an adult or whatever. Like, I'll tell you, he didn't look 15 compared to the guys who were... 18, 19. I think physically he's he's pretty good. Um, he obviously had a he had a couple of chances to take a pop and did. You know he's mm -hmm. not going to miss out his chances. I thought um, he, the overall level of the pressing as well. I mean they had the game and Nuenary was part of that. Uh, him and I think Serjan um, really helped with the tempo in the middle. Like you can't get too far away. I think it, it, too far ahead on your. Uh, ski tips, whatever the saying is, too too far Over forward. Over your ski tips, you leave that yeah. to me, buddy. <laughs> I'll leave that to you. I'm more of a snowboarder. Hey, I've, I've got, one. I've literally got the mug, and it's it's on here. Over my ski tips. Oh yeah, there it is. I've well, you never got sent it. me one of those, Elliot. So uh, well, the only yeah. way I get to read that mug is when you hold it up to the screen for me. The way God intended, please. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, like, they're all like. Pretty good. That was the takeaway. They like they all did good. They knew each other. They knew the game. They kind of took it to Lyon with possession. They got done a couple of times um, against the big fellas from Lyon. Um, yeah, I thought Nguyenary looked really good because he didn't look 15. He looked like the rest of these guys who were 18, 19, 20. I think all of these guys are going to make it, Elliot. I think they're all going to make the first team squad. And they and may all, be all become starters. Yeah. Well, superstars, that's a little early for me. But Probably, though. Strangely, they all looked the part. Uh, I think it was fun that they got to play together for 30 minutes here. It wasn't like we brought them into a mix of the adults and it was all getting a bit funky. We had two very different teams, the, the seniors and the kids, and the kids knew each other and found each other, along with Marquinhos, who switched to the left wing. Yeah, they were I all good. Yeah. I just I, I just want to be clear, right? Like, if you're sitting here right now saying, wow, you've already devoted a half hour to this. Like, that's impressive. Well done, guys. Like, I paid 10 British pounds for this. So, like, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to devote a half hour to it to feel like... I watched it like twice. A, yeah, well, there you go. Yeah. You, got, you got your I, money's worth. Although I, I suspect you probably it. watched it on some dodgy stream. I paid for it. Um, all right. Well, look, Arsenal are running a business. They're not just running a business on the pitch. They're running a business online. They have a digital business, and, and they have to fund that digital business. But if you want a digital business that you want to fund, cha-ching, baby, you need Shopify. That's right. Shopify is the 
e-commerce platform, all-in-one commerce platform, not just e-commerce, to start, run, and grow your business. You have a physical store, they can give you a point-of-sale system there. You want to run a business without worrying about how to accept payments or how to deal with tax or how to deal with shipping. It does all that for you. You can literally drag and drop together a professional-looking website that lets you sell not just on your website, but on Instagram, on TikTok, on Facebook, you name it. So, you know, if you bake cookies and you want to sell them or you, you know, you're into whittling and you want to sell your, what is that called? When you do things with wood scrap, scrap oh, there's a word for that. Um, when you, when you do the wood scab, oh, gosh, someone, everybody's screaming it into their recording devices. Oh, we were good gosh. with whittling. What are you doing? Yeah, but there's, we, there's, we there's, another thing, there's another thing you can do with wood. I don't know. I got, I, got, I, got, I got a lot of I got a lot of reasons to move on now. Let me just read the copy. Okay, everybody, 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 be quiet while I read the copy, and uh, and we're all going to be okay. All right. There's 24 seven support, free on demand business courses. Shopify is your team every step of the way. Okay, you're going to be able to um, do everything basically. Okay, that's the key. You're going to uh, field all the sales channels. I mentioned that. You, you can customize your online store. I think I mentioned that. I'm, I'm really in my head now. When you're, you're ready to take our winning idea to the world, team up with Shopify, the commerce platform powering millions of businesses down the street and around the globe. Try out Shopify for free today and start selling anywhere. This is possibility. Powered by Shopify. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash arsenalvision. All lowercase. No idea why. Just do what they say. Just do what do what the advertising lords tell us to do, please. Go to shopify.com slash arsenalvision to start selling online today. Shopify.com slash arsenalvision. And once you've got your business up and running, let's face it, the most important thing you can do next is have your body be healthy. And the way you can have your body be healthy is by using AG1 because AG1 is 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, and whole food-sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens. One scoop in water. Tastes good. I like it, actually. I really, really do like it. Take it every morning. Got rid of all the gummies and the sugary you know, sugary treats masquerading as vitamins that you just pee out because that's really what happens with most of this stuff. This is whole food-sourced. So you know, I, I think that's really important. I consume it because it helped me with gut health, helps me with energy. Uh, I, you know, those are things that I was looking for. I already rely on coffee quite a bit. So this was a nice step in the right direction. But for you, it, it's lifestyle friendly. So if you're doing keto, paleo, vegan daily for your gluten-free, it works less than a gram of sugar. It costs less than the price of an expensive cup of coffee a day and has over 7,000 five-star reviews. The stuff just works. It's good for your body. Take it, get clear out the cabinet full of junk because that's what the rest of the stuff is. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and... Five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit, get this, athleticgreens.com slash vision. And they don't demand what capitalization you use. So very easy. Athleticgreens.com slash vision. Again, it's athleticgreens.com slash vision to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Paul! Is that enough of that? Indeed. Nailed it. Okay. We have Gabriel Jesus out. <clears throat> mm -hmm. That's heartbreaking and unfor unfortunate, unexpected. What's maybe a little more expected is that we have Smithrow and Zinchenko out. I want to touch on this briefly. I, I got a little panicky on Twitter, and Tim, as he does, straightened me out, then everybody else, you know, as Twitter does, straightened me out by piling on to me. And I deserved it. Let's be honest, I deserved it. But, you know, the latest update from Mikel on Smithrow just worried me. Now, a lot of people pointed out that actually the timetable for this was back to training in December. And we're in December and he's back to training. It's that Mikel made some comment like he felt discomfort. And I just feel like the mood music around this, based on nothing, I want to be clear, I know this is based on nothing. This is just me saying words, which is the definition of a podcast. But I feel like the mood music has that little bit of worry in the way he said it. And, you know, we're, you know, we felt a little discomfort, but, you know, it, it's normal. He's in the process. Smithrow is a player that I think can be massively important for us. He has shown that he's someone who, first of all, he has the ability to come in off the bench and still be incredibly influential. Not every player can do that. He can play the Shaq role, I think. He can play false nine. We've seen Mikel deploy him that way. He can play left or he can play right, but I think better left. But, he, he adds a lot that we could definitely use. But the guy just has never demonstrated that he can stay totally fit. He was out for a long stretch during his Huddersfield loan. He was out the whole start of that season when he came in on Boxing Day, which I guess is two seasons ago now. He missed a big chunk of last season, big chunk of this season. So what's your take on the latest updates on the Smith-Rowe 
injury. And while I accept that it is within the time frame that we were given, do you want to just calm me down, being whiskers on the mood music around his injury? Because we could desperately use him. We could desperately use this player. Um, I'm with Tim on this one. And I didn't see anything in the comments that from him, and maybe it's a question of interpretation. So it's not in the text. It, so I'll admit okay. the text doesn't sound ominous, but, but when you watch it, he says, there was some, that, look, here's yeah. his words as I read them. Emil has returned to training, and he's in that process after we rehab, after a period where he had some real discomfort Well, he's had an operation. I don't think he's saying he's had some new discomfort or some unexpected so discomfort. It, right, that's how the text reads. But when you okay. watched it, it came across more like he's back, okay. he's back in training, but he had some discomfort. I think there's a but that they left out of the text or something because it, it was more like a, but he had yeah. some discomfort and then, you know, we're we're dealing with that kind of thing. It had a bit of a yeah. setbacky vibe, but I realized when I read it back, I don't see it in the text. So yeah. maybe I, you know, I, I imagine this, maybe I read in a little more um, yeah. than, was, than was in there. And that is the problem um, because we don't know behind the scenes. Is everything going exactly to plan? We don't know. Could be, might not be. Um, I also, the vibe I took from it was, you're already asking me about Smith Rowe, but he's going to need his own time scale, if you know what I mean. Not a longer time scale, just not a one based on, oh, we need Smith Rowe against West Ham. Or so we should rush him back, yeah. <laughs> that it, it's... There's only one way to do it. And like there's a pressure on players when people, when um, the media, the pundits, people like you and I, well, We're no, the worst. okay, yeah. Um, <laughs> and like the buzz, the fans, and it's all when Smith Rowe come in, and like it starts putting a pressure on the player. And, the t- and like there just has to be a more natural, in this particular case, time. This is critical for his career and his career at Arsenal. This is the big one, unlike all the other ones. Like, they've gone and done the operation that fixes the thing that's been a recurring problem. And our short-term challenges are not important, is the way to look at Smith Rowe. And so I think that's the times, that's the the caveating. That's why Arteta is saying, whoa, whoa, back off, back off here. At least that's my interpretation based only on the text. I think he's saying, treat this one differently. We've got a whole different thing going on here. This isn't in the mix of, is this guy, how's this guy's recovery and injuring thing coming back from now? Yeah. Yeah. That's my projection. As you have your worrying, I have my, let's couch this in, in the way that I want it to be. This is how I want it. This is what I want it to mean. Yeah, and, and again, like just the words when he's like, Emil's been returned to training and is in that process after a period and is and is in that process after a period with real discomfort. So we're giving him some time. And it was the like after a period of real discomfort, so we're giving him some time made it sound to me almost like, you know, he hadn't been feeling right. So we're just giving him a little extra time. It struck and me. And I heard like, everything's uh, yeah. going great. <laughs> yes, yes. And and I heard one of the legs is not fully connected to the to the body. But yeah, we're the, you know, the we're thing still, we reattached, we think it's on good, but we're not sure. Yeah, yeah. So um by the way, from that press conference, not a lot of interesting other stuff on whether his squad was short. He said, you know, we have a great squad. Unfortunately, we have injuries. We have a lot of players, we have a lot of academy players, we have a lot of players who can give us performances. Like there wasn't there wasn't a lot in it to answer any other questions. So if you've missed his press conference, you didn't really miss much on anything else. Um, no time scale on the Jesus injury, uh, transfer plans. You know, it just says, no, it, it affects who we are as a team. We'll look at what we have and try to make the right decisions. He asked if Martinelli could play up top. He's like, we got a lot of players who can do a lot of things. There are things we can try. Like there was, <laughs> there, there was literally nothing there. So you didn't get much. Um, so well, we found so there's something that. to worry about. Well, yeah, of course. But then there's then there's the next one, which is Zinchenko. And like, mm. to be clear, weird. Zinchenko had injury worries before we signed him. He had a knee injury at City, and he, and he was in and out before that. But like, he was never the starter, so maybe it didn't resonate as much. You know, when, when you have a backup player who's injured, sometimes, like, if I told you prior to yesterday that Cedric had a three-month injury ongoing, you'd be like, oh, didn't know. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because you don't need him. You haven't been using him. So I think there was a little of that with Zinchenko. But... Where are you on, on Zinchenko? Because mm. 
I, one of the things I think we'll lose with with Jesus out is I think we'll lose access to Martinelli in the left wing a bit because I think Jesus had really struck up a rapport there. Not that Nketiah can't do it, but I think we can get some of that back and get some of the control back because Jesus, if he's better than Nketiah at something, he really is strong at linking up and you know get dropping into midfield. He, that That's an elite skill of his. Zinchenko can give some of that back because he's so good in that half space, right? At pushing us up and giving us possession in the left half space um, in a way that even though I love Tierney, I don't think Tierney is as good. So I think Zinchenko can balance some of the stuff we lose without, without Jesus. But is Zinchenko in that, in that cluster for you, Paul, in that zone of you just have to expect him to play when he's available, but you can't really count on him being available. You can't plan around it. Yeah, Zinchenko likes a, ni- a niggle, as they say. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I guess I have come to a point where I'm just for the foreseeable expecting this is the Zinchenko we have this season. There's no good reason why he's getting these niggles, but he just seems to be a thing with him. Um, emotionally, I got to not be on the hook up and down like the Assyrian Empire um, mm-hmm. with Zinchenko's niggles. I mean, I th- I think it's just going to be a thing. There's doesn't seem to be. Uh, I think it's related to his calf. I think calf, was yep. the word. I like, and he's been training. He yeah. just didn't. He wasn't in the lineup. And he's had the, the calf thing, thing for a while, yeah. and like the calf, like those. Uh, I've had calf strains and stuff. Like uh, you, you have the different grades. It's there's no huge issue, but they do tend to be a recurring thing. It's a an, an area of scarring, and I'm sure they're working on it. And blah blah blah. Um, but it's absolutely the kind of thing that can recur that some people get on a recurring basis. He seems to be one of these people. Um, and you know, Tierney's doing his best to adapt to that inverted position. He's, he's working at it manfully, but it just doesn't play to his strengths, even if he does. Okay. I mean, he's a very vertical player. He's, he's pretty one footed. Um, and, it's it's just not the same without him, so it's going to be an interesting dynamic as the season goes on. Will we see a lot of Tommy getting switched to the left side, and how does impact on how Tierney feels about his role in all of this? And is Zinchenko back? And then suddenly he's in every time he's back. Uh, it's going to be a quirky area of the pitch where three different guys can and will be playing. It seems. Yeah, I mean, looking at transfer mark, if you trust their injury history stuff they post, he's missed over a hundred days with injuries in the la- yeah. each of the last two years. Over a hundred days out in twenty twenty one, or maybe I'm reading this wrong. I mean, this this thing is hard to read, so I could be, ha- I could be off. I remember it, but- seeing he had lots of injuries, and that was in a time when, you know, he didn't. It wasn't like they were playing all the time, so they could have rested them. They had plenty of options. They had Cancelo, Walker. They were. I do do want to be fair. Last year, he had a 30-day coronavirus absence and a 12-day quarantine absence, and those, you know, you can't really rack that up to a knock. Um, Yeah, I do like the unknown injury: 27 days. (laughs) That's always a good one. Um, But he's already with the calf and the knee. He's already at 54 days that that he's been out with this missed 12 games. So. Um, you know, we, we just have to see, and like, again, players can just get over this stuff and be done with it and be, and be fit. It's, it's the issue of relying on them. You know, I think about Robin Van Persie, Robin Van Persie was a lovely, lovely player, just a wonderful player. I think we would have been better in the early 2010s if we never had him. You say, how's that possible? He was extraordinary. He had one of the best seasons as a striker ever in Arsenal history. He did. But the couple of seasons where we depended on him and he missed half a season, meant we couldn't achieve our goals. I think when you start to have too many influential players in your team that you just can't trust to start games, you can't plan. Because you can't buy a starter to play when your starter's injured. But by the same token, you can't play half your season with a backup. We saw it with Tierney, right? We've seen it. When, When you play half your season with a backup, your season's not as good. But you can't go spend $70 on a guy and say, you're going to split time with the starter unless you're Manchester City. So having injury-prone players makes it very hard to build a squad because you're either playing half a season with a backup or you're wasting resources having two sensational players for one position, which isn't necessarily the best deployment of resources. So I'm not saying we're there yet, but I certainly think, and and with Smith-Rowe, it's less of an issue, I think, because Smith-Rowe becomes a great option behind Martinelli or behind Saka or behind Jesus and Nketiah and like behind Shaka. 
But Zinchenko gives us a lot of capabilities to play the way we want that our other fullbacks don't, as much as we love Tierney. And, oh, by the way, I don't know if you know this, Tierney is no one's available. So that's one we need to get through. I I mean, do you agree with my general proposal, though, that, like, Zinchenko can help us add back some stuff that maybe we would lose in the absence of Jesus and therefore becomes a more meaningful part of what we need to have going into January? For sure. Um, the one thing I'd add, though, if I was to criticize Eddie's game in this uh, mid-season warm-up, uh, it wouldn't be his hold-up. I thought he dropped in, connected the play, did that. Like he's he's not going to be quite Jesus because nobody is. But I thought that was actually good. I, I, there were lots of instances of him dropping in, adding an extra man. He was doing. He was following the blueprint. He was doing the stuff. It was as far as I could see working. Um, if I were to cri- criticize him, um, his pressing and our pressing, uh, Leon did us a favor in that everything they did was playing out from the back, uh, which meant we got to practice our our pressing patterns. I think Eddie did it very well. Like you could see him doing the same moves, the same kind of jump to cut off the pass to the 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 center back over to the side of the box. But I don't get this about players. He didn't have the intensity that you see with Jesus and Martinelli, where he closes the guy down, but then he slows as it gets to him. I don't get this. I don't get this in players. It's the one thing you have control over, how intense you are. You can just go for it. Um, and like it is a mid-season game, and maybe that's not where they're at. But I thought his pressing was good. I thought his hold-up play was good. I thought the patterns, he was he was. He was doing a very, very passable imitation of Gabriel Jesus. Just more intensity, dude. Lead, yeah. lead with the intensity because that's the other thing. Jesus, like, there's a mental trigger with Jesus, which is, oh shit, we're going. Whereas with Eddie, he's such a smooth kind of shark in the water kind of presser. Uh, they know they're going because they've seen the pattern, not because, oh shit, Eddie's going. Uh, but I thought his hold up play was good. I absolutely see that if. Uh, adding Zinchenko in there is going to probably make up the delta that we somewhat will lack because Jesus is elite and Eddie at at best is maybe very good. Yeah, well, final, final thing for this episode. Uh, There will be a World Cup daily later, by the way. Um, Ben White Mm. is not in Dubai. He was, he, he returned from the World Cup and the England camp due to personal reasons, and we're not going to pry into that, of course. That doesn't stop people from prying into it, and there's been a report that came out that said, oh, he'd a bust up with Steve Holland, and he wasn't getting on with his teammates. And, like, the reaction online is exactly what you'd expect. The Arsenal fans have rushed to his defense and crucifying this this journalist for writing that, and I get it. Like, no one else is reporting it. I doubt it's true. I can't prove it isn't true. But I think in general, just, like, my attitude towards any of this is, <laughs> who cares? Like, Benjamin White is going to play great football for Arsenal. And if it didn't work out in England, for whatever reason, he wasn't fit, there was a personal issue with his family, he got into a bust-up, even if even if every word of that is true, he didn't get on with his teammates and he had a bust-up with Steve Holland. Like, I couldn't care less, Paul. I just couldn't care less. Mikel Arteta does not suffer fools lightly. Mikel Arteta does not suffer um, players who aren't focused, who aren't committed, who who aren't prepared. So whether that story is absolute nonsense, which it might be, or has even a grain of truth. I don't care. So, like, I guess my my thing on Benjamin mm. White is, I expect Benjamin White is going to be ready to play football for Arsenal when the football returns, and I expect he's going to play brilliantly because that's what he does for us. And Mikel Arteta knows the player. Mikel Arteta trusts the player. So maybe the right response to any of this England nonsense with Ben White is like, hey, if it means no more England for Ben White, like, probably Arsenal's benefit as long as Ben doesn't care. And he certainly doesn't seem to care about football. So I don't, yeah. you know, I don't know if he cares about an England call up that much. Um, yeah. Sack has come to his defense and, you know, been supportive of him in the comments. So I don't want to pry into the reasons. I don't want to get into what his personal yeah. reasons are because it's personal. But I, what I did just want to touch on quickly is do you, do you sort of follow suit in my appraisal that like, yeah, this doesn't matter. He's going to come back and play great football for us. And I think we should all just be rest easy in that knowledge. Yeah, I think that's a them problem. That's the England mm-hmm. national team. Um, I'm going to assume that the story is probably bollocks if there was something to it. Well, it's a whole different scenario. He's kind of, he's just one of the squad out there. He's not getting to play much of a role. You could understand why uh, 
Uh, somebody mightn't be quite as engaged. He's certainly not as settled in. He's not as whatever. Seemed to have plenty of friends out there from what I saw. Yep. One of them was uh, Jude Bellingham. So if he can maintain that friendship. <laughs> that's all that matters, frankly. <laughs> that's all that matters. Maybe he was sent home uh, so that he could meet with Jude Bellingham's agent to yeah. help negotiate the transfer. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's helping them look for houses. Who knows what it is? So, yeah, we'll know more about the story at some stage in the future. It's one of those you you can't really talk about. I'm going with the uh, – there was very likely – what they said he has got some personal stuff he doesn't want to talk about so be it but yeah i 100 percent agree like his situation at arsenal where he is known loved central to our plans not sitting on the bench game in game out uh as kind of an afterthought to join the squad like it's even in the worst reading of this it's totally different situation and england's problem it's not an arsenal problem where he is known loved we we did we we uh, went through an obstacle course to get him because uh, he's a key figure in our dressing room and so yeah that's a them problem if there's a problem there's probably not a problem yep I agree with that and I think with that we should leave it there we got a world cup daily coming later as I said and there'll be more pre-mid-season friendlies, mid-pre-season friendlies. I mean, this is, you have to realize something. Arsenal doesn't always delight everybody. But I feel like Arsenal is focused specifically on delighting Paul, who only cares about preseason, and he gets two preseasons in the same season. It's Christmas come early. Paul's on Twitter. Pause my pants. Thanks, pause. Woohoo! Mid-season is the real season. Mid-preseason is the real mid-season. My name is Elliot Smith. You can on Twitter, Yankee Gunner. We love you, and we'll talk to you after Arsenal 10. West Ham nil. No.